Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Deidre. And I'm Megan. And today we just want to wrap up 2020 with you guys and talk about the words of the year that Deidre and I both chose for 2020, what we're looking for in 2021, and just kind of processing through a little bit of that. I love this conversation. Um, the word of the year thing, uh, I started doing it, I don't know, a couple years ago. I think when I look back at my list, 2015 was the first year that I recorded that I picked a word for the year instead of uh, a list of things I wanted to accomplish. Because what I found was that I didn't usually accomplish those things. That was pretty bummed out about that. And I'm guessing as an Enneagram One, your little inner critic would yell at you a lot for that not accomplishing things and it got harder and harder each year than to choose a list of goals, huh? Totally. Like I was going to journal every year at the beginning of the year and I usually bought a new journal and have a few pages filled and then quit after, you know, (laughs) February. And then I was going to lose weight and I'd go lose weight and then I'd put it back on and I was going to do this and do that. It's going to get back into piano or learn Spanish, all of these things. Yeah. I, as a four- setting goals sounded awful because I knew, well, I would get really like fired up and excited about them at first, kind of like you. And then I was like, no, that feels like a lot of work. And then I never would accomplish them. So even when I would set like long-term goals that I actually have accomplished in my life, if I had known from the onset that that was how it was going to end, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it. So everything I do happens to be like in a burst of random energy or really spontaneously done. So looking at like a whole year at the end of December and going, here are my goals and my resolutions. No way. Like I know myself too well. Wouldn't happen. So I also really like the words. My brother said to me on the day after Christmas when we're all eating a ton of carbs and this big brunch, you know, I was like, next year I'm losing 30 pounds. And he goes, oh, that's funny. So when you wake up on January 1st, you're suddenly going to have the willpower that you haven't had for the last nine months. And I was like, shut up. (laughs) But it's so true because it really takes the discipline of every day to do anything that requires, you know, uh, well, requires daily discipline. That was a really profound statement. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a lot of setup, but like 2020 was kind of a dumpster fire for a lot of people, but let's, let's go ahead and talk about like, what was your word for 2020? Interestingly enough, it was rest. And I, what? So it's your fault. You're the reason we all went on lockdown. Maybe. And I'm very careful to say this in perspective. Okay, I understand this has been a really difficult year, but God gave me a really beautiful gift in just the hustle and the busyness of life coming to a halt in March. Um, I travel a lot for work, so I was gone a ton between mid-January and literally the weekend of shutdown between work and personal things and uh, competitions for dance and getting kids to conferences and just everything. I think starting the second or third week of January until that weekend in March of the 12th through the 15th, I was gone every weekend. And um, I was looking at my calendar and I think I had said to you uh, around mid-January, I don't have a Saturday at home until Memorial Day weekend in May. And I was a little depressed about that because as much as I like to be busy and as much as I enjoy productivity, I also need a certain amount of rest and just nothingness at home to like recharge for that. And I feel like things start getting really chaotic and out of control, especially with how many kids we have here when I'm not 
not at home to kind of get things back on track each weekend. Um, so it was really interesting as, as everything just, I mean, you and I flew home from a work trip in North Carolina that March 15th and it was so bizarre. And by the time we went to Walmart, like when we were both home, it was bare and there wasn't, it was just like, we entered this weird stage of the world collapsing. So you had just rest kind of forced on you with a lockdown and then just a couple of months into that. Yeah. Then I had surgery and had several weeks of recovery where I was, I was just going back to work where we actually went into the office again, um, like maybe for a week and then had surgery. So I was off for about four more weeks and just that forced rest was even good for me because, um, life started picking up pace again. And, you know, by, end of July, we were rescheduling things that had been canceled and kids were, our kids actually were getting to go back to school. And so activity was starting to kind of fill the calendar again. And um, God just gave me a little extra time of rest, which is really weird. It was just like, he knew that my soul needed an extended period of time to undo um, 44 years of busyness as my MO. It's interesting because the first year that we picked these words of the year, I think you said back in 2015, um, I also had chosen rest for that year. And looking back, it might have been one of the busiest years I've ever had in my life. And I think that's funny because it did that year I look back, I started my master's. I had a newborn at home. It was the year we completely changed the curriculum in the classroom I was teaching. Um, there was just a whole lot going on that year. And I do feel like there was a season of rest that I had, but it wasn't a forced physical rest like you have. And I think it's the way that our souls need to enter into rest that is different as a four and as a one and just as an introvert and as an extrovert and as who we are, you know, and who God wired us to be. Um, So I think the reason I like these words so much is that you could have picked rest, you know, a year ago and thought, I'm going to be really deliberate to sit once in a while. And God was like, well, you won't. So I'm going to shut down the world. And I don't think he did it for you, but there was- <laughs> let's not blame that on me. <laughs> kind of like I like snow. And every time it snows, all these people on Facebook start tagging me going, this is all teacher's fault. <laughs> right. Like we can actually can control what's going on in the global society. <laughs> but, um, but I do think that there was a season of really forced rest that you had to have to make it happen for you, because that's not something that you intentionally would probably seek out to do. Just like productivity wouldn't be something I would intentionally seek out to do or whatever it would be. But um, when we choose just that word and then kind of hand it to God, he ends up shaping it in a way that we don't always see coming. Yeah, it really becomes more about a perspective shift. And uh, for me, it seems like every year there's been some aspect of worship that's been really tied to that because I stand back and see what he's doing. So it kind of gives me like a lens to look at the events of a year with worship and with thanksgiving and with gratitude, even though maybe the circumstances of the year are difficult. And um, I mean, I'm not saying like it was, I, w- I don't, didn't want to have surgery. That's not how I would choose to be on, you know, on my back. It wasn't fun to do that. I wouldn't want the world to go into the forced shutdown that happened this year for me to be able to sleep in a little bit or not have to run my kids around. But just having a, a perspective to see that through all of this stuff that's going on around me, God and I have like this little 
secret language that we're sharing, you know, and he's just secretly giving me these little gifts each day that I'm looking for. In fact, I actually think that one of the things that we did, you and I did, when we started choosing words of the year um, was the Ann Voskamp book for the uh, Thousand Gifts, where we were on purpose looking for a thousand gifts throughout the year that uh, she calls these holy moments uh, part of Eucharisteo. And that is about giving thanks and having a lens of gratitude. Um, And that really is totally outside of circumstances. Yeah, I still have the list. We didn't get to a thousand that year, but... um, No, because we decided at the beginning of the year we wouldn't. Of course we didn't. We got it. We got a good run on it though. I mean, I had at least a hundred, I think that year and it has even, you know, I haven't written it down every year since then, but I do think that there's a different perspective shift when you can like kind of take in those moments. Um, I, I, I think the whole world watched the new Disney Pixar movie soul over Christmas break. And, um, you know, the kind of the theme of that is to find those little moments of life and to live in them. And I do think that each year God's kind of shown me that a little bit through my words, And um, I like that that's how rest shaped out for you for 2020. Um, It was a different trajectory for you. Yeah. So my word was release. And I did not actually know what that was going to look like in 2020. Um, I don't even know the circumstances behind why I picked it. I don't really remember it. And I mean, how many times throughout this year did I text you and go, wait, what was my word? It was the first (laughs) year I couldn't hold on to my word, which is... That's really funny. Ironic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, it was hard to hold on to the word release. Hmm. It really was. I, I, yeah, it wasn't until just a couple of months ago that I was like really meditating on it because again, I think so much of this year was so hard and it was just a matter of getting from day to day sometimes um, that thinking about like bettering my soul, it wasn't really at the forefront of my mind a lot of the times. It was more like, I just need to get through this day and we'll figure out tomorrow when we get there. Um, and so I think what ended up happening was that I had to release a lot of expectations for 2020. I think everybody did. The whole world was forced to, just yeah. like the whole world was forced into rest of some kind. But um, I had to release expectations. I had to release the giant trip to Hawaii my whole family was going to take. And the other three trips that got knocked off our calendar and our first ever Dauntless Grace retreat that we were going to have in November and all of these things that I had on my calendar that I was so looking forward to that were kind of sustaining me through the hard times because Lord knows I always need something on my calendar to pull me through. And I had to release all of that and just kind of really rely on God to get me from day to day instead of what, what big thing there was to look forward to. Yeah. And I think the difference then between us kind of choosing that focus for the year versus having a list of things that we check off is really um, comes down to an issue of reliance on ourself versus reliance on him. And this is not to knock anyone who has like a major goal. If you want to get out of debt or lose weight, those are good things. And you do need the grace of God to actually accomplish them. So I'm not making excuses for us to not do that. But also there is something about saying, even when everything is out of my control, I see the good hand of the father here and what he's doing to shape me to be an earth changer. And so I can't change my circumstances, but as I'm working with him and I'm releasing things to him and resting in his goodness and his provision, he comes and and keeps shifting the things inside of me that don't match up with where they should be in my life. And then suddenly other things just get easier. Because actually, I remember last year, I was so excited when I realized my word was rest at the beginning of the year and I lost 10 pounds right away. And I was reading my Bible and having a really um, meaningful time in worship and prayer every day. And I hadn't set out to make those my goals for the year, but they kind of were a natural extension of connecting to Him 
in a in a more intense, personal, meaningful way with the, with the father. It was just the overflow of that in my life. That's good. So. I think looking back, we can see how God has shaped those words for us and changed our perspective. And like, I read a recap of 2020 from a comedian today that made me never want to relive this year again. Like it was a terrible, terrible year circumstantially, but I see so yeah. much through it and what God has done in the lives of me, but in my family, but also just in the world and, you know, things that are raising to awareness. I mean, I think we can always find the good and stuff, but I, I don't want to relive the year to learn those lessons again. Hopefully I've gotten them the first time. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, even if we don't end the year perfectly, we end it uh, another at a new level of awareness, another level of healing. You know, I think that we have to kind of step back from life often to get a bigger perspective on what's happening because there is an eternal arc of God's history that he's writing. And we, we play into that. We, we have our time here to do what we're called to do, but then even in our own life, like what, what does one year mean out of 70, 80, 90, whatever, you know, um, especially in eternity, what does that one year mean? But if it's moved us closer to becoming the people that God can use more and more for His glory, then that's that's just a huge growth step. You know, I didn't lose the weight I wanted to lose this year, but I feel like I am more undone in my own need to do than I've ever been in my life. And I'm trying to hold on to that as I move into the next phase of doing. That's really good. I was going to ask you what word you've picked for this next year for 2021, but I kind of want to give a little context to this because I think, um, well, as I share my word, I want to give a little context to this, but then I want to talk about yours. Um, in October, October, we went down to, you and I went down to Tulsa to see your daughter. And uh, while we were there, we were sitting around a hot tub in a hotel and giving each other these challenges for November that we all probably failed at pretty miserably because we kept forgetting what they were. But um, we were talking about each other's Enneagram numbers and talking about like where our own soul issues still are. And you told me that my challenge for November was that every time I hit up against a situation where all of a sudden I felt like I couldn't do it or I'm a little kid or I'm too helpless to take a moment and just like speak truth to myself really and look to God in those moments instead of just throwing my hands up in the air and going, I can't do it. Someone else has to fix this. Um, and that is really what I've been thinking about since then. And I have chosen the word breathe for 2021 because I think that it's important to, in those moments, take a minute to just breathe. Um, our friend, Emily always says that to us when we hit this crisis point um, on Facebook and she's like, just breathe. And so I really want to be intentional about that moment, but I think there's a lot of ways God can shape the word breathe. And I don't want to like project into this next year, but that's my starting point for it. So on that note, I know we had also been talking about the word breathe at one point too, but I don't think that's where you landed. So yeah. Um, two years ago, I picked the word shalom, which sounds really Christianese because it's Hebrew, but it felt like I had heard a message on it, not just peace, because I, I don't feel like I struggle like with anxiety or the lack of peace. It was more about the wholeness that it represented, the c- missing nothing. You know, that word just means nothing is missing. And I thought, God, where in my soul are there still some... Um, building blocks that are missing from the support structure. And he did a lot of work in my life. So that was 2019, where I felt like he was still repairing some of the the building blocks that other things had weight on top of. 
And so I came out of that year really feeling like he had done a good work. Obviously, no one's perfect or, you know, wasn't complete in my work, but I felt like he had completed a, a chapter that was really beautiful. And that chapter was the end of about five years of a lot of undoing, a lot of unraveling, and a lot of God like taking off the old to give me new. Uh, and, you know, you can only get the new if you get rid of the old. It's kind of like, you know, you can grow out of clothes, but if you keep determining to fit in them, the seams start busting out and you look dumb because they're, you know, like kids, they, like they're too short now and or they're too tight. And um, I felt like he was, he spent about five years, just a work of grace, just really stripping away old things, old patterns, old belief systems. And that year of Shalom just brought more clarity to me about the ways that he was securing me in wholeness. So p- rest last year felt like a, wow, look what God did. He let me rest in the work that he's done. Selah, yes. And on the other side of that rest, I'm aware that I have to start doing again. I have to start building again. I have to start, you know, life is just going to fill my calendar back up again because there's kids, there's work, there's jobs, there's ministry, whatever. But how can I stay in a place where I'm holding on to that position that he's set me in after all of this work? So I think, and I'm saying think because it's a weird word, I think I'm choosing the word unraveled um, because he's done a work of unraveling me and I want to stay there. I want to stay completely unraveled where I'm just falling into his arms of grace and resting in the work he's already done, even though it may require me to be out of a posture of rest. I may be active again. I may be busy again, but not falling back into the rhythm of busyness and productivity as a goal, you know, or as a a self-defense mechanism or all of the things that I used it for before. So unraveled, I don't mean like chaotic, but like staying unbound, staying in a place where His grace is what's holding me together and not my own strength or my own provision or my own doing. Is that weird? No, and I actually got chills because I hadn't put the pieces together of the shalom and then the rest, and now to go unraveled. It's like not undoing what the last two years have done, but building on it and letting God continue to kind of pull out those old pieces to make room for the new. Yeah. No, I. that's awesome. I love it. Um, my words all have a theme every year, like of these verbs, and I kind of like that yours don't because I feel like there's more freedom there to kind of pick what really God is speaking to you where I'm like, no, mine has to go in a pattern. (laughs) I also want to give a little shout out that I heard a song. Someone sent me this uh, song on YouTube called Unraveling and it had a dance to it, which is why it was my niece, Lydia. She actually sent me that because the dance is really beautiful and it's a worship song, but it's about this work that God was doing in someone's life. And I thought, as I was listening to it, God, you've done that work in my life. You really have taken me through seasons of unraveling, of stripping away. And so, but at the end of that, I was like, I love that word. It just, it has such a connotation of uh, this unfinished work that, and yet so beautifully portrayed. So uh, I have to give that shout out to that. I don't know that that would have been a word I would have picked on my own. So instead of unraveling, because he's done that, I just want to live unraveled. So it's past tense. And we're such grammar geeks that I just needed to point that out of the difference. (laughs) Okay, so it might be past tense, but I still think there's unraveling that God is going to continue to do in that. For sure. And so I just want to point out that the challenge that I gave you back in October in Tulsa. Yeah, yeah. I knew you were going to bring this up. (laughs) Was to stop um, immediately dismissing or denying when people compliment you. And I don't mean like 
oh, you look nice today. I mean, when they like soul compliment you and tell you that you are seen and you are loved and you are worthy and all of those things, that's really hard for you to hear because your inner critic kind of dismisses it. Yeah. Um, and I know you did a terrible job of really not doing that in November, which is hey, fine. Well, okay. I just want to say, <laughs> maybe I did a terrible job, but it gave me awareness to start looking for how often I do it. So I see it that I always dismiss it and that now I'm going to go to this year asking God to unravel my perception of how I think people perceive me. And I feel like I got a little more clarity on that even uh, last night as I was thinking about that. And even the way, so I assume people see me through the same critical lens that I look at myself, but even the way that I critically look at the world around me, just that's not necessarily God's lens. So I really want him to kind of unravel the, the perceptions, you know, that I hold about the world around me and that I think people hold about me and just understand that living just solely in his grace is it's enough. It really is enough. I love that. My challenge. And of course, listeners, you should know that she told me I have to journal about it, but she took the pressure off. I don't have to journal every day, so I can do this. I just get it out whenever I hear something that I heard truly for the compliment that it was and write that down. Don't even have to like put a, you know, 300 word minimum on it or anything like I would have in the past. So it's good. Nope. Just a sentence or two when you hear it. So that at, uh, in a year from now, when you open that and look back at it, you'll see all of the ways God's been unraveling that part of your self-perception as you stay in this other unraveled place. So yeah, that's that's awesome. I think for a one and a four, I think we chose really poignant words that hit us where we need the most grace. Um, Yeah. What do you recommend for others? Um, how, How do they best choose the word that they're sensing for 2021? Um, I, I don't know that I ever had a really holy practice of doing this. I I didn't like fast and pray and wait for a word to drop in my lap. I kind of thought about it a little bit and then it felt like one just kind of stuck out to me. And then I would think about it for a few more days and ask God if that was really the direction and then just kind of go there. I don't think that there's a bad word to choose, quite honestly. I think that God's going to shape the word in the way that we need it the most as we live through the year. I think I could choose any word for 2021 and he's going to do the same work that needs to be done in my life but this is giving me a focus and it's giving me a place to meditate. So I don't think there's a way to choose a wrong word unless it's like gluttony or something. (laughs) (laughs) Though maybe ones need that, like learn how to go to your seven space. No, I was going to say though on the perspective thing. So I was a dancer back in the day and when you would learn pirouettes or any kind of turning, they would teach you to find a focal point on the wall so that you would look at it as long as you could until you had to whip your head around. And the first thing you do is find that spot again and your body just follows. So you, so it was more about practicing the timing of the head than it even was so much about the placement of the rest of the body. Although obviously, you know, you, you'd have to be in a certain type of placement, but you can do turns with your legs up, down, close to your body turned out. I mean, you can, so really the leg placement isn't as important as where the head was looking and where this perspective shift. And if you didn't get back soon enough, it would really limit how many you could do in a row because of course you get dizzy and you lose that focus and it really throws off your equilibrium, which throws off your center even more than obviously it takes stomach muscles, but that's not the full, it's, it's the focus. And so I think that's really good. This really just gives like a centering place 
to keep your focus because life is going to come at you from a lot of directions and a lot of angles. And it really can throw your soul equilibrium off when circumstances have you feeling like you're just being rolled around on waves or whatever. But when there's a focal point, it's really empowering and centering. And so I think that that's what you're trying to, you know, communicate. It's not maybe the word, but it's the fact that there is a word and there's a place to look. So if, if you need just a practical example, um, a lot of Enneagram accounts will give suggestions for words um, for different types to meditate on. So if you know your Enneagram type, then there might be some really good examples on Instagram and you could go find, um, or I mean, find your favorite scripture and see what stands out to you there. Um, what, what are some of the words you've chosen in the past few years, just to give some more examples? Well, ironically, my very first one was the word perspective. And I think it's because our lives were in a lot of change and it wasn't all change I wanted at the time. And so I just was asking God to give me his perspective on things because I knew mine was limited and my perspective made me just kind of want to throw a pity party. And so that first year, that's what it was back in 2015. Uh, My first one, well, the first one before we started really tracking it was redemption because there was just a year when my second daughter was born that God was just redeeming a lot of things in my life and showing me a new story. Um, But I don't count it because it's not a verb. Um, I started with redeem, but at the time I wanted all single, um, single syllable verbs, although I screwed that up this year with release. But so mine in order, and I'm just going to read them through because it's funny. Rest, walk, reach, hold, dream, release, and breathe. Um, Awesome. And they all mean something to me. Um, but I think the general populace, when they were to look at that word, they'd go, well, reach is a really, really vague word. Like, aren't you supposed to pick something like joy or grace or perspective or redemption or, you know, this holy giant word. Um, but for me, God has used and shaped all of these words for me. Um, I think my favorite one was hold because it ended up being like, hold on that year. Cause everything was changing <laughs> all at once. But, um, so yeah, I mean, mine were all just really generic type of verbs. Yeah, it's interesting that I didn't pick a parallel <laughs> verb form or something because when I write things or do outlines, I'm really big about that. It really stands out to me if there's like three verbs and one noun. I'm like, no, change that. Um, but no, I just kind of followed where I felt like God was leading my perspective because it started there. Like, where did he want my focus? Um, not knowing what the year ahead would hold for me. Um, So I'm actually pulling them up now. So that 2015 was perspective. And then the next year was dauntless. And that really was uh, like, once I saw his perspective of how he had started stripping away the comfort of what I had known, that he was requiring a um, fearless perspective for me to walk into a new day. And (coughs) excuse me, that next year was tenacity. And it was really about just holding on because I was at the point at that season where I just wanted to give up. So nothing matters. You took it all. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to build. And he was like, come on, daughter, like, hold on, keep, keep holding me. And I'm going to pull you through to a new day. And by uh, 2018, I I did the re three that year. It was return, revive and restore. And that's what I, I really believe was a turning point for me to see his hand of provision and how uh, just holding on to him brought me into a new day, um, which then led to the shalom and rest. And so, I don't know. I think that there's, there is some symbolism in number and five years is the measure of grace. And there is something about resting in the work that he's done that is always really important before you move into a new day or a new assignment. So that's a little biblical teaching from Genesis. I won't get too deep into that, but there you go. 
That's awesome. Well, um, I hope no one has chosen the word victory or champion or something like that for 2021, because I think that that's just going to, you know, bite us all. But um, (laughs) not that we believe in jinxing things, but it's like that meme. We're all going to walk in real slow, like, and just not touch anything. Just be quiet. Just go into 2021 and be real good. (laughs) No one claimed that this is your year. (laughs) Nobody say that. But I do think that there are things that God's going to teach us and shape us and grow us through every season. So whether it can get worse or whether it's going to start getting better, God is there and there's going to be grace to get through that season. Amen. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We are on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries. Our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. And you can join the conversation in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Team DGM. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me on Instagram at Enneagram Megan. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast at dauntlessgrace.org.